So I go to my car and I don't have any of my shit. I come back up and I'm like, I don't have anything. And he's like, yeah, like I said, just use my stuff. I'm like, what about a mouthpiece? He's like, I don't have herpes. So I'm like, oh, uh, no. They say home is where the heart is. So I wonder why your motherfucker always feeling heartless. Hey, welcome to episode six of Doubly Negative. Doing things a little different today. Kyle left me. He's in Texas. He will be back. But I'm sitting down here with my friend Antonio. How are you doing today? I'm good, sir. How are you? Doing all right. So, me and Antonio, this is actually our first time hanging out together. <laughs> first time. The only reason we know each other is because we fought each other, what was it, two years ago? Yeah, something like that. We competed yeah. against each other in Tap Cancer Out. He also has a podcast, Smoking Simeon. Yeah. Good stuff. You got to check that out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Mostly training stuff. That's what we have in common here. Right. Podcasting, you know. Are you still training? Yeah, I haven't uh, grappled in a while. Um, funny thing about that tournament, that was the first tournament I ever did. Yeah, and you beat me, so thanks. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you were a part of it. So um, <laughs> Glad I could give you your first dub. Yeah, that was great. So, that's actually my only tournament, my only grappling tournament I've done since. I haven't grappled in a while but funny thing about that tournament was so i won that match and then the next guy i had hurt like his nutsack in the match before he hurt his nut yeah, yeah 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 i don't know what exactly happened probably tried he, catching an arm bar and then just fucking maybe yeah. yeah he won so but at the end of it he was like oh god he was fucked up so yeah they uh it was me and him in the quarter finals yeah and he's like i can't and i'm like Phew. I'm going to the semis. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. And uh, and then that kid like thoroughly beat me pretty good. But um, yeah. I didn't feel like I was in, in any danger until the very end. I just don't have like the cardio. And mm. I think it's because I'm a slack shit at times. Right now I'm in one of those modes where it's like, okay, push yourself. I know you can't breathe, but push yourself. But like, I feel like, so I've done that tournament. You beat me in the first match and I was like fucked up. I went to Foxwoods afterwards because yeah. it was my friend's birthday and I was sore as shit. And the only other competition I did was Naga, which was a few months before that. Yeah. And I had two matches, but like I was torched, dude. Like oh, yeah. absolutely, like your whole body hurts so bad. Competition's way different. Yeah, because yeah. you're both going at each other, like trying to strangle each other or submit the other person. Right. So it's one of those things where it's it's kind of like shocks your body. No matter how much you prepare for it, you don't really get that feeling in the gym all the time. And there's a crowd. Yeah. The crowd is a big thing. It's different. It's like everybody's just watching you. In that setting, it's a tournament and people are watching everything. But, but there's like, a there's plenty of people watching that. You know yeah. I mean? Like all the friends and family of the people in that division are watching that mat. For me, I know like when I step on the mat and in competition and like they say, all right, let's get it on. I kind of black out everything that's around me. Do you have that like same feel or do you, do you actually like... You're aware of your surroundings. Um, I'm definitely, I would say, more aware. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Only because, so I've been in the martial arts since I was four, five. So I've competed for a fucking long time. I don't feel as bad about losing now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've competed. Like, you know, I did karate tournaments, you know, the whole time I was a kid. I was a wrestler in middle school and in high school. So you're wrestling in front of, you know, decent-sized crowds. And then... Once I started training MMA, now I have I have two smokers and a uh, an exhibition. Mm. I won the exhibition, but there was no judges. But I won two sm <laughs> two two smokers. Can you elaborate yeah. a little bit? Because I'm not even sure what that is. Oh, smoke! Yeah, yeah. So smokers like an amateur Muay Thai fight. It's um, you get headgear, 16 ounce gloves, and shin pads. Obviously, mouthpiece cup. 
and there's no knees to the face, no elbows, but you can knee to the body and obviously head kicks, leg kicks, all that other stuff. One thing I remember, so when I signed up for Tab Cancer Out, I immediately look at the names of the people who signed up in my division and I look for them on social media. Do you do that? So the one, the smoker that I lost, the one that I probably didn't embrace the crowd like I normally would or embrace the situation, the one where I blocked it out because I wasn't prepared, that one I actually do. So it's funny that, you know, because normally I wouldn't. It's like whoever I compete against is whatever. Because you knowing their background or anything, like you just got to go in there and fuck get the job done. Yeah, because I shouldn't be worried about what, you know, I, I should have them worried about what I'm doing. You know yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. And that's a great mindset to have. Me, I'll find a way to psych myself out. Right. I even remember like going and like, I saw your name. I looked you up on Instagram and I think I saw a picture of you training Muay Thai and I instantly went, well, I'm fucked. This guy's way tougher than I am. <laughs> I was like, he takes punches to the head, man. Like, I can't. Yeah, that don't mean I, I can strangle though. <laughs> I think I think our match ended. You won on points. No, there was yeah, no yeah. submissions. Right. I might even still have like part of that match on my phone somewhere. I don't want to see it. <laughs> don't on the archive somewhere. Yeah. Because <laughs> I I just remember me seeing you and being like, okay, I'm not gonna take this guy down. I'm gonna have to pull guard. So I tried mm-hmm. pulling guard, and then you passed me. I tried going for sweeps, and all I remember by the end of it, you were in mount, and I was like, I'm fucking done right now. <laughs> I am so torched. I, I, I had nothing. I hadn't been uh, training super long. It's just, I think it's just the longevity of, plus I had the wrestling grappling. Wrestling helps so much. Yeah. Like, especially, definitely. it sucks when you're a white belt and you go into a competition, like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, here we go. Like, everyone's new, but it's yeah. like, this guy wrestled this whole fucking right, life. Right. That's a whole different story. Yeah. And it translates so much because the stand-up game, I don't know, you you trained at Triforce, right? Not anymore. Where, where are you now? I train at Team United. Team in, United. Uh, it's right in Providence, like right in Branch Ave in Providence. Oh, cool, cool, yeah. cool. So I'm not too familiar with them. I know Triforce. Because... Do, you know, do you know who Tom Evans is? Sounds familiar. How about Andre Sukuntath? Sounds familiar. I just can't put faces to names. Right. Uh, Andre Sukuntath used to fight... Um, I think I'm going to sneeze. I don't know. Let her rip. Jake will cut it out. Yeah. Um, Andre fought in the UFC for a little bit. Cool. His dad is one of the coaches at Team United. Oh, hell yeah. Um, So that's obviously pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I haven't trained at Triforce in a while. Was there a reason you switched gyms or was it just uh, like a distance thing? Like you moved, this one's closer. So I was right around the time that I left Triforce. The reason why I was leaving was because I started a new job. I had just graduated college and I started a new job. I, I got a, finance, a bachelor's in finance. Okay, because I remember you posting about you getting a job in finance and being like, hey, you need help? Call yeah, me. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, all right, this is cool. Because obviously we've followed each other since that tournament, which is what, two years ago now? Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've followed you. I've seen your stuff posted. So, okay. Yeah, so I, I started that job and I didn't last that because I hated it. And I mean, it was a good thing that I realized it early on. But when I took the job, it was in Braintree. And I had my heart set on moving there. And I told Triforce, like the, the guy who owns Triforce, um, Pete Jeffries, I was like, yo, I, I'm moving. So I got to kind of cancel my contract. I'm like, if I need to pay out the rest of it, just send it to me, whatever. But he's like, oh, you know, because I went there for a while. He's like, no, you're good, whatever. We'll cancel the contract or anything. And then, um, so I, I, I ended up leaving the job a week and a half later or something. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> no, but it's good that you recognized that early and you, you weren't just one of those, well, got to pay the bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So I, uh, and I mean, luckily I was still living at home. So I was, uh, I had that to, you know, fall back on. But anyway, yeah, so I left that and then I ended up doing that exhibition that I was telling you about a, a few minutes ago. Yep. And it was on about 30 minutes notice or something like that. But it's kind of a funny story. 
Uh, Tell me about it. Yeah, 30 minutes notice? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. So you've probably seen him in some of my posts. My buddy, John Larkin. Okay. He um, he grapples. He's obviously, you know, he's great. But we tr- we met at Triforce. But we didn't really like kind of click or anything there. And we ended up working together and we ended up training all the time. And I helped, I was getting him ready for his fight that he was going to have. And they were going to have it at Team United. And I was sparring with him. There was a, um, it was just going to be a smoker. And I was training with him and training with him. And uh, we were sparring like twice a week or something like that. And then the time comes and I'm going to go see him. It's on a Saturday and I'm going to go, uh, you know, watch. But the Friday, the night before, uh, my buddy Kevin, who had just moved to New Jersey, came home for the first time. So we all went out. Yeah, yeah. Went to a strip club, stayed out till two in the morning, ate IHOP, the whole deal. Oh, if, if you're drunk, yeah, you're out, you gotta hit an IHOP. Right. Just, oh God, that grease sets you straight. Oh, it's phenomenal. But yeah, so stayed out real late, ate like garbage, dehydrated myself. All because I, you know, it was whatever. And I didn't, I wasn't anticipating fighting the next day at all. I had no reason to anticipate it. No. So I, <laughs> oh my God. I went to, uh, I went to watch and my buddy Kevin actually went with me because he's friends with John Larkin as well. You know, we're sitting down, we're watching, and the owner, Tom Evans, the guy who I brought up earlier, he came up to me, he's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, good, good, good to see you. This is great what you're doing here. Because originally, uh, or, or first, before the Muay Thai fights, there was like a, a kid's karate tournament. So I'm like, oh, this is cool, whatever. And we're sitting, and he's like, listen, do you want to fight? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I guess. And, he, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> and he's like, do you have your gear? And I'm like, I don't know, I got to check in my car. And he's like, if not, use mine. So I'm like, you know, all right, whatever. Yes. <laughs> so I go to my car and I don't have any of my shit. I come back up and I'm like, I don't have anything. And he's like, yeah, like I said, just use my stuff. I'm like, what about a mouthpiece? He's like, I don't have herpes. So I'm like, oh, uh, no. I washed that thing a bunch of times before I put it in. Yeah, this is pre-COVID, everybody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I'd still do it during <laughs> Yeah, I mean... I'm gra- like I'm rolling now, and it's like we have masks on and stuff. But yeah. like, what the fuck is the mask doing right. at that I'm point? Killing you more. Yeah, you can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, you have a, a 250 pound guy sitting on your chest, and you're like, <gasps> and all you taste is the mask, dude. Right. So he says, "You want to fight?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Put the mouthpiece in, whatever. And he uh, he's like, "All right, listen. The guy's new. He's kind of new. He's never done anything. Just you know, spar with him, whatever. He knows that I'm a little more ex- experienced in this guy." He's like, it's just going to be like a sparring match with some people watching. I'm like, all right, whatever. So um, <clears throat> I'm in the back and I'm just jumping around, I guess, because I don't know, I'm like trying to warm up. You got to get psyched up because it's not yeah. something that like you get that sprung on you that day. And all of a sudden you have to be in fight mode. It's not like you had like, okay, I have a fight in six weeks. I have to prepare. I have to cut this weight. I have to really focus on my shortcomings and training. It was one of those things where I was like, hey, do you want to fight today? Mm. I would have said no. Well, the funny thing is, is like, I didn't feel any of the pressure that you would normally feel throughout fight camp. Especially the way he presented it to you, though. He was like, it's just sparring with a couple people he's new. And you're like, oh, okay. Right. But he wasn't new was the thing. He lied? Well, he didn't know. Oh, no. (laughs) So why did he say he was new? He just assumed, I guess. Oh, no. I don't know. It's one of his students. It was one of the guys that trained at Team United. And I was just some bum who was just sitting there watching, still sloppy body from the night before. Yeah, like you're, you're still maybe drunk. Yeah, and my buddy John, who trained, who was training at Team United at the time, was like, all right, you're going to be fighting Omar. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, Omar. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm like, uh, Tom said he's new. He's like, why, why would he tell you that? And I'm like... I don't know. And he's like, Omar has like five or six smokers. Oh, <laughs> and I'm no. like, uh, I mean, whatever. And uh, and then I went out there and uh, lack of better terms, I beat his ass, I think. <laughs> really? We're Hell friends, yeah. We're friends, we're friends now. Like we're, we train at the same gym. Yeah. So through all that, Tom was like, you know, you can 
come train here for, you know, uh, a little less than everyone else. <laughs> no, that's, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And you know what? That's like my favorite thing about like martial arts, like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai and stuff like that. We go to war with each other. Yeah. We hug it out after. Right. Like right. no matter what. And that's the, I think the most beautiful part about it. Even us sitting down and recording this, this would have never happened if I didn't, or you didn't sign up for this tournament in Connecticut. We went against each other, didn't talk, and then all of a yeah. sudden we both started podcasts, and now here we are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the whole thing with um, any art. The, it's the the growth of it. Once you get your, own, once you grow into your own style, now you can really start having fun because yeah. it's just like anything else. Once you've done it for long enough, and it's more or less natural to you, now you can do things that are a little more unnatural. Because before, all you had to do was learn how to be natural. Yeah. Learn how to do it the box way. This is how you throw a jab. This is how you do a shrimp. Yeah, and then you figure out, okay, like, okay, I like playing from my back. Like, I'm yeah. good from the guard. Yeah. Or, like, I want to be the pressure passer. Right. And, you know, I started as one of those guys that I wanted to pull guard because, obviously, I'm not a great wrestler. I'm like a lanky dude. Yeah. Lanky dudes can wrestle, though. And I got long <laughs> limbs. I, I can't wrestle. Right. And But I always, like, the person I wrestle against, Matt, quick plug, RN Jitsu on YouTube. He's amazing. Taught me a lot of stuff along the way. He's wrestled throughout his entire life. So, like, if I'm ever working on stuff, it's with him. And, like, usually, like, we'll show up to class and we'll roll before everything gets started. And I learned so much from this guy. So, maybe that's why I think I'm a shit wrestler. Because anytime I'm doing wrestling stuff, it's with him. Right. And he's he, a beast. He, he's a monster, dude. Yeah. And so he's, I bet if you wrestled against him. Like uh, some other people, you probably do good. I mean, hopefully, <laughs> I, would, I would hope that, so. That's usually how it happens. I mean, you train with guys who are really fucking good. Eventually, you you know you'll start to surpass people that are like if you took a guy who trained for a year and then you just trained with whoever, and then this guy trained with you know this guy one who of the top guys in the state for a year. You've only both been training for a year, but this guy's going to be better. Yeah, because he's learning more from the best, the better, the better guy. And that's the most important thing with like jujitsu and stuff. Like you learn from your mistakes. Like when I was new, he wouldn't like if I was leaving my arm out there to be taken, he would take it and say, don't leave your arm there. Yeah. And if I keep doing that, he would just keep doing that and say, why do you keep doing that? I just told you not to do that. Yeah. So it's just getting that constructive criticism and being able to take it, learn from it and move forward from it and improve from it. And I think that's very important. Me and Kyle have talked about this on other podcasts. Actually, I think this was last week's episode. Like I got really drunk last episode. <laughs> so I, I I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before, but it was like the struggles of you, being a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta drink so you have the Yeah, you have to drink so the confidence is flowing, but don't take it too far. Lesson right. learned. Right. Um, but we were talking about giving people advice honest advice. Like if someone asks you, like, hey, you think I'm getting too fat? Most of the time, those people will say, no, 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 you look good. But you're actually hurting that person by not telling them, I think you can lose like a few pounds. Right. No. So are you, are you someone that thinks like if one of your good friends says, hey, like I'm feeling like off, like I feel a little overweight. Like, will you tell them flat out like, yes. Or do you kind of like tell them what they want to hear? Um, for, you know, obviously the closer someone is to me, the better I want to see them do. It's almost like a hand in hand thing. So like. I might not necessarily be like you're kind of, I won't like come right out and be like, Hey, you're kind of big. You should lose some weight. Yeah. Cause yeah. I don't even know if that's affecting you. You could be like, okay, you, some people are just fat and happy. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. 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 But if you're like, oh, I'm losing weight, I used to be, you know, I used to have a six pack or I used to be 20 pounds lighter than this. And I'm like, I'll be like, bro, I got a friend who's a personal trainer. I'll, you know, or you could come with me to the gym. Or, Hell yeah. I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna be like, at least encourage it. 
I won't, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're a fat bastard. Go do something. I'll be like, yeah, let's try and figure something out. I'll help you. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's important is knowing when to give the advice. But I mean, we had a talk about it. Are you familiar with Sam Harris? No, doesn't sound familiar. He's awesome. I'll send you some videos after this. He talks about how like you need to be honest with people and not just tell them what they want to hear. So if someone right. asks for it, give it to them. Don't just come out and be like, hey, man, you're getting fat. Right? right. But if someone asks, hey, like, do you think I could stand to lose a few pounds? You shouldn't lie to them to make them feel better. You should tell them the truth. But then again, there's also some things that we all naturally think like I already naturally think being healthy is better than not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always going to say, be he- but if you're like, hey, I want to quit smoking tobacco yeah. in some form, it's going to be like, all right, I smoke blunts, I smoke cigars. Like, yeah. It's coming from a different place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm, I'm diehard behind no tobacco. I'm a little more, di- it doesn't, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm talking about health and then smoking tobacco. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have nicotine salts in my gums as we speak, mm-hmm. former dipper, so I'm, I'm doing what I can to make myself better. But it started as one of those things where I was like, use this to wean yourself off. And now it's been like two years and I'm still using them. So I guess that's just what I do now. But there is a fine line, I think, when, uh, you know, between help giving someone advice and then preaching to them. Like, yeah. Because you can only tell some somebody, you know, something so many times that uh, if they haven't decided themselves to lose the weight or to stop smoking or to, you know, whatever, whatever you're saying is not going to matter. You can't help someone if they don't if they don't want to help themselves. Sorry yeah. for talking over you there, but no. you you can't help somebody if they don't want to help themselves. And that's a big problem is just finding that motivation because there's so many other like outside things that can put you in that headspace where it's like, okay, maybe I'll start tomorrow. You know what I mean? So like I'm someone who's dealt with like depression and anxiety, all that shit. And that's how we even came across doing this podcast. I think the first episode, me and Kyle just talk about like self-diagnosing depression and just like we know what's good for us, but we still don't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Recently, I've gotten into a mode where it's like, okay, you you know you feel better when you do this, so fucking do it. But it's easy to fall out of that. Did you ever like go through phases in training where it was like, oh, I really don't want to go today. And you just were All like- All the time. Yeah. All the fucking time. Because it's hard. Not even just martial art training. Like sometimes just because I lift weights as well or go for a run or- Yeah. You know, just some things that sometimes you consider work. Like there's some things we don't consider work that maybe we should. Yeah. Some things that- start as hobbies and they end up becoming work and now they're almost like burdens and you almost have have to like make the distinction again like you almost have to fall you always hear about like the fighter that stopped falling in love with it yeah like doing it for money or just anybody that does anything for just money you know you weren't in love with it to start with you know yeah even like with like football players you'll see them get that contract and like okay i got it and they fall off a little bit it's like oh why are they not doing as well now it's because like they got the money they got what they wanted to do which i mean ultimately hey if that was your motive, that was your goal, fuck it, you did it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But yeah. it's tough sometimes finding the motivation, even though you know it's going to make you feel better. You kind of just say, maybe I'll just sit on the couch. And every time I do that, I'll regret it until I go train again. Yeah, yeah, and totally. Think about it. I, I mean, I had one of those days yesterday. I felt like shit all day. I was working from home. I stayed in my bed and I worked from home. I worked from my bed four out of the eight hours I was working and I just didn't want to go. But I mean... I have this roommate now and we, we do a good job of motivating each other. We'll like bust each other's balls. And I was like, okay, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to bust my balls if I don't go. I got to go. Took a scoop of pre-workout, went and I was amped up. Even when I got home, I, was, I started doing more exercises when I got home. Yeah, yeah. Having that motivation in your life is so important. And just realizing what's better for you. And then running with that, even if you don't want to in the moment, you'll be happy you did. Yeah, well, it's, it's a snowball effect with both sides. If you keep 
staying in bed, then that's what the fuck you're going to do each day. Every time you have to go do something else, you're going to remember, oh, I mean, yesterday I stayed in bed. Yeah. It's a snowball. And then, but the other way, you know, I went for a run today. Tomorrow I'm going to go for one. And then I'm going to go lift weights afterwards. And then I'm going to drink a whole bunch of water. I'm going to eat right. And I'm going to this. And I'm going to that. And I'm not preaching that I do all those things all the time. But that's the way it's done. Sometimes when you have great streaks of success, everybody goes through ebbs and flows. Not everybody's 100% successful all the time. No. But when you see it, it's usually because you were consistent. And that's, that's huge. The consistency builds momentum. And you can ride that momentum. So for me, I wasn't rolling much during uh, the whole quarantine thing, like me and a few friends. Um, I had some buddies that bought mats. So we were just like rolling in the backyard. All the gyms were closed. Everything was closed. So we're like, we got to do something. Right. And I mean, it was very inconsistent. And like, I couldn't build much momentum during that. Up until recently, I re-signed up and I was going like once a week, twice a week. And then I'm newly single. So I was like, okay, I have all this extra time. I want to make sure I'm going to use this time as wisely as possible. And I had a goal in mind. Okay, I need to lose weight because I think it was like probably three or four weeks ago. I was, I want to say like 15 pounds heavier than I am today. I was like 205. I was eating like shit, just in a rut where I was playing video games, watching stuff on TV, not doing anything active at all. And I was just in that rut of just being a piece of shit for lack of a better term. And then I was like, okay, need to lose weight. First, I started on a diet. All right, I gained momentum with that diet. I had some consistency in that. And then I was noticing, okay, this is carrying over into my training. Like my training is a lot better. My cardio is a lot better. And then you start building momentum off of that. And all of a sudden you notice, okay, my training is getting even better. My technique is sharpening up. Everything is getting, everything's clicking. So you just got to keep riding that momentum and get it in your head. Like when you have this goal, do everything you can to hit that goal. Even today. I was like, maybe I'll just get McDonald's for lunch. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm trying to lose weight. You're not going to go to fucking McDonald's. You haven't had fast food in over a month. Do what you're doing because it's working. Right. Do what's working. But it's easy to fall out of that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that or a couple of the things that help me kind of keep track are one, most importantly, is the mini checkpoints that you get. Like the mini rewards are more important than the big picture. Yeah. But number two is ultimately the big picture. You don't want what what's happened to me in the past was like I would only get wrapped up with the big picture. Right. I became a financial advisor for those eight days or whatever Mm -hmm. because because I thought it was a cool job to have. And I thought it was entrepreneurial and I thought it was, you know, I thought I'd get rich doing it. I didn't embrace the the hardships that was going to come along with that. The, the reason why I think podcasting and being my own entrepreneur is working better for me is because all the hardships I'm embracing. I'm understanding that it's part of the process, but I'm not losing focus on the fact that one day I want to have my own fucking studio. Yeah. Doing whatever the fuck I want, having whoever I can just hit somebody up on Instagram and say, come, come over. Yeah. 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 Anybody I want. Yeah. And even like, I was nervous hitting you up. I was like, is it weird if like I asked my my editor, Jake, I was like, is it weird if I just hit him up and ask him to come do an episode? I mean, eventually I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to ask him and you're you're cool about it. It's like, oh, all right. Awesome. But when it came down to like finding a guest, I mean, obviously Kyle's in Texas. So I was like, I can't just ask like who like who's going to want to come on and talk like I'm I'm five episodes in. Who can I get that's going to be interesting enough and be able to talk for an hour or however long about something and be comfortable with it. Well, it's funny. I mean, I guess if I, if I can give you my blueprint, I know you don't normally do the um, the guests. I know I'm the first guest you've had. But if you ever think of doing it in the future, this is kind of what goes through my head. When I first started, it was more like, let me get some people on who are my friends and I can talk to freely. 
Yeah. Say whatever the fuck we want, you know, within reason. Some of them have jobs that they want to keep. <laughs> yeah, and that's an important thing to think about in podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, even especially if liquor's flowing, yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, all right, let's just um, say whatever, and you let it flow, and then you listen to it afterwards, and you go, oh, whoops, right? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but eventually, you'll get to a point where it's like. People are almost kind of interested in doing it. They're like, yeah, I'll come on a podcast. Like, yeah. dude, I, I hit up loads of random people. And it's a it's an absolute shocker to me sometimes when they're like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, wow. I didn't think you'd say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just like just like you said today. You, you, you just said you were a little nervous to hit me up. Yeah. yeah fuck it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some people are going to say no. And it's like, whatever. Or they won't even respond. I've sent out countless emails. People don't even respond. It's like, whatever. It's kind of like a dating site where you just kind of shoot and shot, you know, shoot or shoot. You'll hit some, yeah. you miss some. You're a volume shooter. It's just like selling. I don't know if you've ever been in sales. No. So it's I'm, just. I'm a nerd. I don't have a very like selling personality. <laughs> like right. I build computers. I don't. Gotcha. I don't sell stuff. Right, 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 right. So. So you, you'll hire the guys to sell the computers you build. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, in sales, it's totally a numbers game, regardless of what everybody tells you. You know, there's this technique and that technique. And yes, there is technique to selling, but ultimately it's a numbers game. The more people you get in front of, the more opportunity you have to sell. If you're trying to sell your podcast, like, hey, come on my podcast, whatever. The more people you contact in wider realms, just think about like, you know, there's just things that for me, the, the person that I want on my podcast, if they're not a close friend of mine, I want them to be interesting, be, be somebody who is involved in something that I'm interested in. Yeah, and that's important because if yeah. you don't have that common connection, like for instance, me and you, we've never had a conversation before. We've already gone for a half hour and we've had zero issues just chatting about, you know, because we have the podcasting, we have jujitsu, we just have training and just diet in general. Right, right, right. So the, the guest thing, it's all about just hitting people up all the time. That's like one of my main concerns with my podcast. The editing's one thing, the graphic designing, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, I can do that. It's fine. It's the behind the scenes things. It's annoying. I don't fucking like it. Um, you seem like you're more of a tech guy. I'm not at all. I'm learning everything brand fucking new. Um, before this, we were talking about mic switchers and XLR cables. And I would never in a million years have believed that I would know anything about any of that stuff. So you're doing this all on your own. You don't have an editor. You, you This is all you. The graphic design, everything is all you. Yes, sir. Okay. So I'm very fortunate. I have a friend that's really great at graphic design. He had a clothing line back in the day, a bad endorsement. It got bought out by another company. I mean, he's had his designs on Ray-Ban. So I said, listen, I need a logo for the show. What can you do for me? He did it. Great. Pete Fortin, check him out on Instagram. Amazing art. And then actually my editor, Jake, uh, handsome Jake, he's going to be more involved shortly he hit me up and was like hey i want to be involved and he has made my life so much easier and he's made me sound so much better yep. so literally all i do is talk into the microphone even though i'm a tech guy i don't do any of this bullshit because jake is really good at it like this is what he goes to school for yep. he makes me and kyle sound way better than we actually do so i mean the fact that you're doing all that you do two episodes a week one with the guest one solo yeah and you do all the editing. Yeah. That's got to be hard. Well, I'll tell you, I don't do, when I say editing, I don't do a whole lot of it. I've gotten to the point where I think most of it, like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'll cut apart if I don't want to include it. Or uh, before when I was doing just audio, I would edit a little bit more. I would edit the pauses. I would edit, you know, me going on a thousand times. But I've broken a lot of those habits. Currently, it's been good. I, I, fortunately, I haven't had to do a lot of editing. It's mostly the... Um, 
my computer is kind of a piece of shit at this point. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're putting it through the goddamn ringer with graphic design, right. podcasting, right. editing. Well, luckily, I've I've grown into a, a rhythm with things. When I first started, it was only audio. It took me a little while to learn GarageBand. I have a Mac. So GarageBand comes easy. I still use GarageBand and I use iMovie as well. So free as fuck. If you want to start a podcast, it's fucking easy. Yeah. <laughs> it really is so easy. Yeah, like, it is. And I use RSS feed. I don't, right. you don't use that, do you? You use a different platform. I use Buzzsprout. That gives us an RSS feed. Okay. We can put to different podcast platforms. So like Spotify, Apple, all that shit. It really is so easy. You're just like, okay, yeah. this is my Spotify account. This is this account. This is what I recorded. Put it out on those. And then yeah. iTunes takes six fucking days to approve yeah. it. Yeah. And <laughs> iTunes is a bitch. It drives me up a wall. Spotify's like, yeah, cool, whatever you want. And yeah, iTunes yeah. is like, we're gonna we're gonna inspect this first. So you you've made your life easier. But I mean, I'm sure your podcasting ability has gotten better from doing the editing yourself. Because yeah. like Jake called me out. He was like, you guys say like way too fucking much. Right. And you realize that as you were editing, you're like, I need to make my my job a little easier. And you've probably gotten better at it from doing that. Yeah. Again, it's just a, a, a crash course. I'm a big trial by fire guy. I learn the best when I'm fucking everything up for a while. Yeah, you're under pressure. Yeah. I have to like be irritated for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If yeah. I have to go through a week's worth of irritation to like work out something that's going to make my life easier... In any process, podcasting. I also have a brand. I haven't spoken about that yet. But Plug away. Obsessive Aggression. If you guys need 16-ounce premium boxing gloves, www.obsessiveaggression.com. Anyway. And that's your brand? Yeah, it's my brand. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, we're doing just the boxing gloves, but we're going to we're gonna branch out into other gear. That'd be um, awesome. Yeah. Make some grappling shorts. I'll buy some. <laughs> I will. Make some geese. I'll buy some. Yeah, I think next, right now, we're doing the synthetic leather. The next thing is probably going to be the, the the real leather gloves. But that's a while from now. Like I said, I, I started them uh, January is when I put the promo out and, and you know let everybody know that the website was up. And I started promoting on the podcast and everything. So it hasn't been in existence as long as the podcast. But I've been thinking about it and planning it since last year, last fall. That's awesome. So you've yeah. got that entrepreneurial mindset where it's like, okay, I'm going to make this for myself and I'm going to do what I can to make this as big as possible. Is that why you got into podcasting? You just want to put content out there or what? So it's funny. I've spoken about my like thought process when it came to starting the brand versus the podcast. I bought my first microphone before I even thought of doing a podcast. I was just on wish.com and there was a microphone that was like $35 and I thought it looked cool. It was silver. Yep. So I was yeah. like, fuck it. Probably sounded like shit off of wish.com. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still have it. We haven't used it. We're going to see what it sounds on the uh, sounds like on the switcher. Yeah. But um, yeah, I bought that thing like in August. It was, you know, right in the midst of the uh, the free money we were all getting last year. So yep. I still yep. had some left over. So I was like, fuck it. Let me throw it on this thing. And, uh, and it took a while to come in. And I almost forgot about it. When it came in, I was like, what am I even going to do with this thing? I don't know why I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, I guess I'll start a podcast. I think I actually made, I think I actually named it and made the, um, I made the logo and then named it. The graphic is wicked badass, by the way. I love it. Yeah, I made that on Canva. They were doing like a a free 30-day trial or something. I was like, boom, we're doing we're doing it. Got to get this done in 30 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was, and it's funny because I treat the podcast as like an artistic thing. I, you know, I'm, I, I play the guitar. I love the arts. 
oh, martial awesome. arts, all that stuff. Yeah, just expressing um, yourself in other ways than just being. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love being able to make something that people can create. So, or, or people can enjoy that I've created. I, I use the podcast as a creative outlet, and it was almost very spontaneous the way it came about. Which, in my mind, the, some of the best art is spontaneous. Yeah, like art in in the in the sense of just the word is is sometimes very spontaneous and now when when i put that up against the glove idea or or obsessive aggression when i put that up against that obsessive aggression was a planned business idea i started thinking about it when i left the original job i was telling you about the financial advisor thing now i didn't know what the fuck i was going to do am i going to go back to school i had like an early life crisis i don't know what i was going to do what was i 22 how old are you now 23 I'm old as fuck, man. I'm t- 29 going on 30. God oh, damn. I'm a little late to the entrepreneurial game, but right. I'm here. I'm here, motherfucker. Well, it's funny because when I took the advisor job, I was I, I was attracted to it for a couple reasons. Money. Money. But it was also the way it was being sold to me was that it was very entrepreneurial in nature. You kill what you eat. You find your own clients. You know, you, you build your own business, but you're ultimately in a pyramid scheme. You're this guy down here. You have a boss. Every time you sell, he gets a little bit. Every time that happens, every time your office makes money, the guy above you makes money. And then the partnership with the United Health or whoever they're with, the life insurance company, they make money. every. T- so it's just a big pyramid scheme. You're not really your own boss. It's essentially Herbalife. Yes. Herbalife and uh, what else is there? I don't even know. The Hoover vacuums, whatever the fuck. So- <laughs> I just want to take this time to say, fuck Herbalife. Like <laughs> All the people agreed. that fall into that trap. Holy shit. Yeah, agreed. All right, so back to your point. Sorry, I just wanted to take some time to say, fuck Herbalife. It's <laughs> no, fucking perfect. stupid. That was a word for our sponsor. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I took it because I thought it was entrepreneurial in nature, and I thought it sounded like a job. I got wrapped up in the idea of getting a job. Like, let me get a job when I graduate. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't care about the knowledge that I gained. I just wanted the job. Like, I got the degree, now let me get a job. But- even before college started, I always wanted to own my own business. I always wanted to be my own boss. I didn't like the idea of having a boss, even before college. And I lost it throughout because as I got closer to graduating, all I was thinking about was graduating and then moving on. I wasn't thinking about like, I, I want to start a business. I want to start a job. I want to make my family proud and all this shit. Because that's what society tells you to do. You get go to job. college yeah. and even like the whole like, oh, you got to go to college if you want to get a good job. That's yeah. bullshit. It's just, oh God. It's an unfortunate, uh, it's it's almost living with blind, what's it called? Bad faith. Are you a, um, a philosophy guy at all? I know I spoke about it a little bit earlier. I can't say I am. I was going to try to like say, oh yeah, big philosophy guy. But, you should have. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you go on. Have you ever heard of Satra? He's a, he's a philosopher. Sounds familiar. I couldn't tell you anything about right. him. He's some French asshole from back in the day. Yep. But um, he had the idea of living with bad faith. And that was not realizing how free you actually are as a human. We're so confined to the idea of like, I need to work this job because this is this is our society. I work this job. I pay my bills. One day I'll retire. This will be good. I have no other options. This is what I have to do. But in reality, you have a lot of other options. It's not any that anybody really consider. You could go move to another country. You could start a new job. You could live in the woods. You know what I'm saying? Like there's all these yeah. other outside things that our realm in society's realm, it's like, that's crazy. Why would you go live in the fucking woods? Because it's not safe. That's not the safe route. Right. 
Right. Or why would you start your own business? Why would you do any of that? You have your own job. You're taking such a huge risk by going out and spending this money on something you want to do when you can just go here, make this salary and answer to other people your whole life. Yeah, exactly. That's not what I'm for. Yeah. And I kind of, (laughs) I kind of fell into that. I was like, okay, all right, I need to get a job. I need to get a good job that's respected. Got the good job that's respected. Got the degree. And it's like me and Kyle, Kyle is the exact opposite of me. He, he's a brilliant guy. As you can tell from the podcast, he, he carries me a bit. He's, he's way smarter than I am. <laughs> he, he got a full ride to college. Yeah. Went, got his degree, was working, realized he wasn't happy and said, fuck it. I'm going to move, moved to Texas, was there for a bit. Then he was like, you know what? Still not happy. I'm going to move to Mexico and give a little trial run here. Went to Mexico for a bit. was like, okay, I can do this. Then eventually ended up in Bali and absolutely loves it. Just does freelance writing and does stuff that he wants to do. So, I mean, me and him are very opposite in in that aspect and I don't know I just I feel like I've always been afraid to take those risks yeah I mean everybody has a different risk tolerance it's fucking if you look up the uh, the definition of entrepreneur it's somebody who starts their own business something along, I'm paraphrasing but someone who starts yeah. their own business but takes on greater than usual financial risks that's part of Webster Dictionary or whatever don't quote me but um, that's part of it and, and some people it's it's meant to be scary like it's it's a greater than normal financial risk it's in the fucking definition but that fear is what pushes you to become great if you don't have that right. fear you're not gonna reach for those goals because you're content you're like okay i'm okay here right. you need to be afraid to lose everything you need to be that that's part of like risking things you risk it it's it's scary but you gotta risk it for the biscuit for lack okay, of a better right. term so it's like <laughs> if you want to do it fucking go out and do it yeah you know so it's one of the it's it's scary but i mean if you really want to do your own thing and you're committed to that you have to take those risks and i mean you know i totally understand everybody's in different circumstances yeah and everybody has a different tolerance for work than others do uh you know some single moms who have three kids are able to start their own businesses and start empires but others are not so they work three jobs because they need to feed their fucking kids and that's what the fuck it is that's also what it is though like it's hard to say when you listen to a guy like uh, and i love gary v but when you listen to a guy like gary v saying everybody can do it you gotta there's no such thing as everybody there's no such thing as always there's no such thing as never it's not certain so a few episodes ago, we actually talked about how I fucking hate Gary V. Mm. And it's for the reason you just brought up, though. Oh, just go fucking do it, man. You can't always fucking do it. So that that was where I grew my disdain for Gary V. Because at first I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's right. I'm going to go do it. But it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? Not not everyone can do it. Not everyone has those circumstances. Some people have to feed their children. They Like they have to like help their family pay the bills or else they're living on the street. Like not everyone has those opportunities. When I talk about this stuff, I try to aim it to the people who are, when I'm talking about being an entrepreneur and, and taking, you know, your life into your own grasp, I don't mean to offend people who have jobs that they love and jobs that they like doing and they're happy. Yeah. I don't mean that. I'm trying to get at the people who are like, I don't really like what I'm doing right now. And yes, some people are able to and some people aren't. I'm hoping to get to the people that are in a position where they have the choice to do so. You're a young kid who still lives at home. You're not doing what your parents wanted you to do. Start something else. Do something else. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what I'm, you know. And again, if I could get across to somebody who's in a much rougher situation and get them out of it, I'm, I'm no motivational speaker. But just, just for the contrast, it's like, yes, of course, that would be great. But that's not how the world works. There's, there's just some people who are in, in circumstances where they have to live throughout. And even some of those people are still happy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just because you work like a dog and whatever doesn't mean 
you know, you're instantly unhappy. It's just the people who are unhappy, they should find a way out of it at some point, somehow. Yeah. And, you know, you say you're not like a motivational speaker or anything, but like your story is inspiring, right? So like you, you got the degree, you got the job and you said, fuck it. I don't like this job. I'm not going to force myself to do this every day. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And you took the risk and you're doing it and you're making progress with it. So, I mean, having the balls to do that. So like I came from not a very great background. So I was kind of in a spot where it's like, okay, if I want to do something, I, I, I need to, I need that security. Right. I didn't like that hanging over my head. Like, I don't want to be homeless. Right. And that was something that could <laughs> could have good. potentially happened. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got to go to college. I'm putting myself in massive debt, but it is what it is. And now I'm at a spot where it's like, okay, I have a shit ton of student loan debt and I have a mortgage now. But I wouldn't say I'm unhappy. Like, I think I'm happy with the choices I've made, but I, I think the grass is always greener. Like, I would like to have more freedom. I'd like to be doing more things that I want to do, but like, honestly, I'm in a spot right now where I'm content. I wouldn't say I'm over the moon happy. I'd be over the moon happy. Say this podcast takes off. So make sure you download, subscribe, do all that stuff. (laughs) That would be fantastic. But right now I'm working in an office and I work for a great company and I I thoroughly enjoy it. But like you said, there are those people that don't enjoy it, but they just sit there and they do the same monotonous tasks every day and they're hating their goddamn lives because of it. That's far scarier to me than taking this risk, taking the risk and fucking it all up. Like, I'd rather go broke on my own accord than make millions of dollars on somebody else's. And be miserable doing it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Because, like, we have a very short amount of time on this planet. Like, enjoy it. Okay? Whether you believe in an afterlife or not, there's no certain. There's no certainty. So, like, while you're here, do what you want to fucking do. If you're not happy, change it. Do what you got to do to be happy because that's right. the most important thing at the end of the day. You don't want to be on your deathbed and have all these regrets. I'd rather have, you know, things that I fucked up on than regrets. Yeah. And the thing is, if you fuck up on it, that's on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're taking that risk. Yeah. And you know what to do or you're trying to figure out what to do to not fuck up with it, you know? Right. I mean, it's again, it all comes down to risk tolerance. Exactly. I don't work full time. I work in a restaurant two nights a week, and then I bartend at another place on, I'm sorry, I work in a restaurant Friday and Saturday, and then I bartend on Sunday. Um, And it's honestly enough for me to pay my bills. And what I was doing before was I was, I had this idea in my mind that, okay, I can't get a job as all the, I got a finance degree, um, which limits you kind of, unless you're come from a big college, uh, limits you sort of in what you can do. You can be an advisor, you can be an analyst, and it's really hard to be an analyst. So most finance degree people become advisors unless you have a higher degree where you can become a hedge fund manager, portfolio manager, asset manager, whatever. And those are the jobs I'm more attracted to. If I were to have a job, I would want it to be in the higher finance section or whatever. Um, oh, fuck. I forgot where I was going with this. So are, are, are you not interested in starting at the lower level and then working your way up? No, I'm not. Because I know I know the beginning of it is, is going to be, what am I going to do? I'm be a teller at a bank? I don't want to do that. No. Like, I don't want to do that shit at all. You can work your way up, I guess, but that's, you work your way up based on somebody else's hierarchy. I want to work my way up in my own hierarchy. And there's that same risk there. Like, you may not work your way up that hierarchy. Yeah. What if, what if the boss just doesn't like you? Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things, like, you can take that risk on someone else's accord, like you said, or take it on your own and really fucking go for it. Yeah, exactly. I don't like the idea of working your entire life 
most most of your life, right? Most people live, I don't know what the age expectancy now is, but it's like 75 or something, we'll say. Yeah. And when do people retire? 65? Older than that. It's getting older. It blows my fucking mind. Yeah, 68, 69. And it's like, like, I saved up all this money and it's like, you're not going to be able to spend it. You're going to die before you even have a chance to enjoy your life. And especially now, like if I'm going to choose a time period where I'm going to be able to relax and enjoy my life, it's in my 20s and 30s, not my 70s. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you spend all of your fucking uh, eight hours a day that's a third of your life mm-hmm. and then if you sleep eight hours a night that's two thirds of your life so you have eight hours of your day to yourself that to me is the scare it's scarier than failing completely and going broke to me. and you know what those eight hours a day usually you're either winding down you get out of work it's like okay i need to cook myself some food okay i'm gonna get some exercise in okay now i'm gonna sit down and do like what i really want to do and it's like oh i gotta go to bed soon if yeah. i want to get a good night's sleep so like it's a constant battle of trying to fit things in that you actually want to do so i remember where i was going before with the the 40 hour a week thing yeah before i was trying to convince myself that okay i need a 40 hour a week job so that i'll get a good a decent pay not in the finance realm it's going to be a decent pay it's going to be some odd job delivering something whatever yep and uh at the end of the day i'll i'll work on the things i want to work on my brand i'll work on my podcast i'll record whatever and I'll have my weekends off. But what I was finding was that the end of these monotonous, soulless, uh, you know, days that I was working, I was I didn't have any motivation. None of the creativity that I normally had, all of it was sucked out of my body because I just wasted eight hours of my day doing some bullshit job that I had to do or that I felt that I had to do. And just to give you an idea of some of the jobs I was doing, I was working in a cookie factory, making batter. I was delivering paint for a company. So you leave these, these, you know, the paint is in a warehouse where everybody just, there's one, you know, big heavy dude that runs the thing and he's clicking on a computer all day. And then there's, you know, everybody's bored and upset that they're there. And I was a delivery driver. So I was barely there, but when I was there, it was miserable enough for me to feel shitty about anything else that went on past that. It's a soul suck. Yeah. 100%. So I was like, all right, this is, if anything, being detrimental. If I continue doing this, nothing will get done. My podcast, I might as well stop podcasting. I might as well shut down my website and burn all the gloves I bought. Yeah, because where do you find inspiration in that day? Nowhere. You don't. All you see is anti-inspiration. Yeah. All you're doing is some menial BS job for some company that doesn't give a fuck about you. You're just a number. Yeah. And I grew up blue collar. My parents both worked jobs that they didn't love. It wasn't what they wanted to do, but they worked it. And I'm obviously very appreciative because I'm here now. But it was enough for me to be like, I don't want any part of that. That's never happening in my life. They, they worked hard enough to give you the opportunity to be able to branch out and be more entrepreneurial. Right. So you're working in a restaurant now. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit because I yeah. worked in restaurants for a while. Yeah. It can be fucking miserable, but you learn so much. Like yeah. dealing with all these different types of people. Like mm-hmm. I, I served in a chain restaurant for a while, Applebee's. Yeah. That sucked. And I went <laughs> to this Italian restaurant, Marchetti's. It also sucked in a different way, but it's just because it was so fucking hectic. But you learned so much oh, yeah. about just different personality types. And I feel like that's helped me like going forward. 
And I think everyone should have to work in a, a role like that at some point in their lives just so you can, you know, treat other people with this mutual respect. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you deal with so many people that they're just such assholes at restaurants. And like I'll go out with friends where they just treat the server like shit. And it's like, dude, you don't get what this guy's going through right now. Oh, where are my drinks? It's like this guy's got seven of the tables right now. Like right. he's he's getting there. It's not for a lack of trying. It's for a lack of time. So I think it's super important. It's the industry. Yeah, it like yeah. it's brutal. It's brutal. I've only, as far as jobs that I've kind of, you know, I mean, I've had all kinds of odd jobs. I work on a horse farm. I you've done fucking everything: horse farm, yeah. paint delivery, <laughs> cooking, like baking. Yeah, like I've cooked pizzas. You know, I dishwash when I was a kid. But for the most part, I've worked in restaurants. And you're right; you do learn a lot. And it's funny because the restaurant jobs are great for people who are trying to do something else. Because it's quick cash, man. Quick cash, quick shifts, five-hour shifts, you're moving around, you're talking to people, you're not in a van driving, or you're not sitting here doing this job. You're being active, you're being social. Yeah. And at the end of it, you know, sometimes you work the dubs, it's brutal. Yeah. But other times, when you work a normal shift, what is it, five hours, six hours? Yeah, you just work the dinner. And it's fun, usually. Because like, you're bullshit with the people in the back. Yeah. Even if you're having, like, a shit night, like, you can yeah. go and you're screaming with someone else in the back, like, fuck this, man. Right. Someone's there with you. Yeah. You know? And, and it's... it's uh, it's unprofessional, which is phenomenal. Like, it's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what's great. It really is a lot of fun. Like me and Kevin, so my roommate, yeah, he moved in after me and my ex split. And it's been fucking awesome. And the way we met was we worked together at Applebee's. Okay. So he ended up hitting me up and was like, hey, are you looking for a roommate? I was like, hell yeah, man, let's go. So, I mean, it's been fucking awesome because it's just like busting balls like we did back at the restaurant. And like we reminisce about how much fucking fun we had doing that. He's doing real estate and stuff now, but he still has a hand in the restaurant industry. Right. But it's just, you form bonds with these people yeah. because you go through the ringer with them. It's just like jujitsu where it's, you go to war with someone, there's a mutual respect. In the restaurant industry, like you get beat the fuck up. Oh yeah. On those busy nights, if you're in a high volume restaurant, you get beat up. And at the end of the night, you're just like, thank God that's over. And it's just like a mutual, like we're all that's feeling the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. And that's the big problem with the restaurant industry. It's like, oh, grab a shift drink. Why yeah. not? I'm at a place that serves drinks. Let me just grab a drink after right, work. Right. It's so easy to just fucking. It's a tough fucking industry. Hell yeah. I've, I serve on the hill, on Federal Hill. Um, Where? In Providence. I know, but which oh. um, which <laughs> yeah. restaurant? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Federal Hill. Um, uh, Casarino's. Casarino's is so good. Yeah. I've only gone once, but it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is good. And and I'll tell you, just like anything else, if if you don't wholly enjoy it, the more you do it, you're going to burn yourself out of it. And now the relationship that I have with them is far better than it was before the pandemic happened because I was working there very, very often and uh, it was starting to not be worth it. You're pissed off going in every shift. Right. So now that I'm only doing it part time, I'm taking it for what it is and I have a much better relationship with the industry and a much better relationship working there. Before it was like, oh, I gotta go here and, yeah, you know, especially during the pandemic, it was like, I'm making no money. And also it's like, you know, it, unfortunately, restaurant jobs are looked at as non-respectable jobs. Like they're kind of... But like, I made a lot of money. Hell yeah. People who say that are morons. Yeah. You can make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that's great about it is it's perfect for you if you're trying to do something else. Yeah. If you're trying to go to school, if you're trying to start something, if you're trying to do a hobby and you just need, you know, the quick money, quick shifts, 
it's uh, to me, it makes sense. Yeah, pay the bills while you're doing what you love. So you have like a perfect setup right now where like you're being entrepreneurial and you're starting this brand, you have this podcast, you're putting content out, but you're still making super solid money on little hours, which is it really That's like awesome. people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you're, you're a server. It's like, do you know how much money I make and how little of time, especially Casarinos, like those bills are high. Yeah, and they all the prices went up, so we all essentially got a raise. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm leaving there with with you know some of the best money I've made there, and I've worked there for four years. Yeah, and the thing about a restaurant like that, like people going there, that's a place you're on Federal Hill. You yeah. get some Italian food. People are going there to spend money. They're not going there for a fucking two for twenty. Like when I was at Applebee's, I don't have teenagers coming in after a high school dance asking for half price appetizers without getting a fucking soft drink. Right, right, right. So like. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how that could be. Brutal. Oh, dude, I've done some shit. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. There was this one person. They were a wicked dick. Yeah. And I go to the table, and they're like, "Bread." And I was like, "Hi, my name's Chris. Can I get you something to drink?" I just ignored it. And they're like, "Can we yeah. get some bread, please?" It's like, "Yeah, sure." They gave me the drink order. I go grab the drinks, and I put those down because you have to get them from the bar. Bread's where you get it in the back. The, you get that in the back. Yeah. I bring the drinks, and as I put the drinks down, they go, "Where's the bread?" I go, I have two hands. I'll be right back with the bread. Yeah. Bring the bread. Obviously, I throw it down. Wicked pissy. So they have their dinner or whatever. Super annoying throughout. They give me their card to go run. So I had a magnetic name tag. Magnets destroy credit cards. Oh, shit. So I take my tape name tag off. I swipe it on their card a million times after I run it. I put it back in the book, bring it to the table. They sign, whatever. And I'm like, all right, good. Their card's ruined. Bonus. I go back to get the tip. They leave a shitty tip. Card is still in the book. Oh, shit. So I threw it directly in the trash. I said, fuck these people. I was uh-huh. so heated. Yeah. And then they come back like, uh, did we leave our card here? I was like, no, I haven't seen it. I, I just <laughs> haven't check seen your, it. Check your wallet? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would check your car or something. It's not here. Definitely not here. It wasn't in the book. We had a guy one time. I wasn't there that, that day, but we had a guy one time who was shit hammered. Like he was fucked up at the bar. Supposedly they said he was fucked up before he even came in. And the way they were describing it, they said it might have been something more than just booze. More than likely. You get that a lot. Yeah, especially on the hill. So he came in, he sat at the bar, and he ordered some food and didn't eat any of it. And he went to the bathroom, and he uh, was there for mad long. And they was like, what the fuck? It was like a half hour, and the guy wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. And they opened the door, and he was in there just butt-ass naked, (laughs) like sitting down with his back to the door. Like like, with shirt off? Like butt naked. Like no pants, nothing. And he was just sitting with his back to the door. And, and they just shut the door on him, I guess. They're like, whoa. And they fucking... And they left. And, and at Casarino's, the bathroom is right next to an emergency exit. So this guy got out of the bathroom. I'm assuming put his clothes back on. I would hope so. Yeah. And wa- like walked out on his tab. And it was frigid that day. Frigid, frigid, frigid cold. And he left his jacket there. And he walked the fuck off. And uh, the owner... Uh, I won't say his name, but the owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, we'll also bleep out the name of the restaurant for the sake of. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Jake, bleep that out. <laughs> I talk about Casarinos all the time. So. <laughs> okay, um, good. Yeah, the owner, he, uh, he's, he was boiling inside. He was like, what the fuck? This guy was a scumbag. Why would he do that? And he left his jacket there. So he reached into one of the jacket pockets and found his keys, um, like a keychain. And he took one of he took his car key off. And fucking hummed it like across the street, like on top of a roof. <laughs> He's like, "Fuck that guy!" <laughs> oh my god! And dude, like those car keys are not cheap. Yeah, exactly. It's so expensive to replace. And he those. was so hammered. The way they're talking about it, he probably wouldn't even know like how. 
Like he probably came back and was like, where's my keys? And they're like, we don't know. Not sure, man. <laughs> so I'm not going to name this restaurant that I worked at, but yeah. there was one restaurant and I guess there was this guy in there like harassing all the female staff, like being a wicked creep. He was wasted. So the manager's son took him out back and fucking tuned him up. Yeah. Like fucked him up, oh. dude. And he trained as well. Yeah. So it was like. Damn. That's what you fucking get. Those are the restaurants I want to work in. Yeah. Hell you know, yeah. those are the, I want some action. Shit out of the, yeah. Just, yeah. it just seemed like super, <laughs> like super old school, like Italian type deal oh, where it's oh, like, yeah. yeah, you want to fucking go. So it's like, that's the shit. <laughs> like, well, it's funny because. You don't get that in the office. Right. No, yeah, no, 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 you only get those stories working in a restaurant. Right. And the thing about a restaurant too is, um, uh, oh man, I just had it. I lost it. Oh, working in a restaurant, all the things that you learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all the things that you learn in a restaurant. And and typically you work in, you find a lot of college people, college kids in restaurants. And I remember talking to my buddy. He's like, bro, I don't know what to write for my resume. What do I do? I'm trying to get a, you know, a decent job. And I'm like, dude, you were a bartender. And mm. he's like, so that doesn't, whatever. All these people have internships and all this and that. And I'm like, bro, do you not understand all the things that you learn becoming a bartender? You learn so much. All the people skills, memory skills, working with numbers all the time, high stress situations, high volume, all this stuff, all this stuff. You're able, you just got to word it right. People aren't able to sell themselves. Just because you come from some background doesn't mean that there aren't some things that you learn throughout the way. Everything that you did, I, I remember when I was an advisor for, or an associate advisor, when I was working at that place, one of the guys, Ed Martin, he told me, well, he kind of inter- uh, interjected into a conversation I was having with one of the women there. And she's like, what did you do before this? And I was like, oh, I was just a server in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he stopped me and he goes, whoa, whoa, wait. He wasn't even looking at us. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, you weren't just a server. Like you don't just do anything in this life. Everything you do serves a purpose. Everything you do is, is uh, you're, you're, you're gaining something from it. You don't just do nothing. So that to say that you don't learn anything in that industry. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. You just have to find it. You have to be able to market it. And, and, this is to any college kid that's listening. If you work as a server, as a as a chef, as a cook, whatever, in a restaurant, there is plenty that you can sell yourself on and still get a good job, a, a quote unquote good job. And I've used my restaurant experience on resumes when I was first building my resume to get a job with my degree. Yeah. Like, okay, I worked in a restaurant. So the first job I had out of college was at a call center, right? So we were a managed service provider, which means we provide a service. These companies pay us for it. Okay, great. That relates back to my customer service background. Like I know how to deal with people. I've worked in a corporate environment where we need to essentially blow these people to make sure that they keep coming back and give us their fucking money. Right. So like that, it all translates. Yeah. And working in that high volume, you deal with stress well. Yeah. Like you have, like you're comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, to to go back to the whole like jujitsu thing, that's something that it it's helped me tremendously just being comfortable being uncomfortable like how many times have you been grappling you have literally zero energy left yeah and you have this 200 pound dude on your chest and you need to find a way to get out of it right i mean that's and that's just a testament to martial arts and how it's not just beating each other up in a gym there's so much more to it there's so it's such a mind game yeah it's it's almost as much mind i'd probably say it's more mind than it is physical because you know you can attest to it when you're grappling when you're rolling you might get, you know, tweaked here and there, but you ultimately feel fine. Yeah. Afterwards, you feel like shit. Because, dude, I all the time, like, yeah. the, you have the adrenaline pumping. Like, you could really hurt something and you won't feel it until the drive home. Right, exactly. But that whole time, 
it's it's mental. It's mental the whole time because you're not even feeling all the things that are happening to your body. So no. how could it? How could it? And I and I, and it's the same thing when you're fighting, uh, doing the stand up thing when you're fighting on your feet. Sure, you're getting punched, but and I'll tell you, if you're losing a fight, you definitely feel everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're being competitive and you're and you're able to go trade with this guy back and forth and it's and it's a competitive contest, you don't feel any of that shit. It's all in. It's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. Yeah, no, it really is. And I think there's an element of your brain kicking into survival mode yeah. almost. Like, I can't bitch out right now. Right. Like, I can tell you right now, in the tournament we did where you beat me, we'll circle back to that, <laughs> you had me in mount and you were on my chest. I couldn't fucking breathe. And I was like, I feel like I should just tap out right now because I don't, like, in my head, like, the walls were closing. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was going to fucking die. But I was like, mama didn't raise no bitch. <laughs> You take your balls out of your back pocket and you finish this. Yeah. And I remember, I think even after like the bell rang, I would like, like throw up like a leg lock, even right. though it's not legal for white belts or in gi. Right. So I was like, I got to throw something at this dude. Yeah. So it was just digging deep and overcoming that mental hurdle. 100%. And I mean, it, like I said, it just travels into everything else you do. Any, The way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I, and I heard that quote the other day, and this is the perfect time to say it. So. Yeah. I think yeah. this is a great time. I want to rematch, motherfucker. <laughs> right here. Yeah, we, we didn't. Yeah. In this, in this fucking box. Yeah. I, we didn't promote this well enough because we should have. We should have just started calling each other out and acting like we were actually fighting. Yeah. On social media. Get some buzz going. One day, I think this is this is our idea. I'm going to bring it up to you right now. Okay. I'm one, nervous. One day when you get the cameras and everything, we're going to set up a live stream and we're going to do a live match match and it'll be our rematch <laughs> dude i seriously would fucking love that i really would love that would be fucking awesome we, we'll do. <laughs> we gotta build it up we can even if no one listens to this one we'll just uh we'll act like we're going forward with the fight the people who are in it from the beginning they'll know this is yeah. all for show but yeah. i'll go full conor mcgregor dude i don't give a fuck yeah listen, who the I'll, fuck is this guy i'll just khabib no, 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 no. I want to be Khabib. I want to be Khabib. <laughs> Khabib. This is the trash talk. I won't give a fuck. I'll just be, who's, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Smash. Send me location. Bullshit whiskey. Yeah. I, um, I'm not really good with trash talk. I mean, if I have time to think about it, but in the moment, not really smooth on my feet. Yeah. Um, We've been going for like an hour and 10. Yeah, this, is, this has been good. Yeah, easy. it's been fucking easy. Yeah. And first time ever having a conversation together. So, I yeah, mean, yeah. it's been rolling. Plug whatever you got to plug, man. Yeah, guys. So, um, big thanks to uh, Chris for letting me come on. Um, and make sure you guys check out the Smoking Simeon podcast on all uh, podcast platforms, audio only. Audio only platforms and on YouTube. My YouTube is Tones Production. Um, we got video on there. And then follow me on Instagram at abarbosa000. Follow me on Twitter at the Simeon underscore. And make sure you guys check out www.obsessiveaggression.com. Uh, if you guys train, if you guys are trying to train, you don't need to be training for a fight to use these gloves. Even if you go to a cardio kickboxing class a couple times a week, these gloves are perfect for anything. Check all those things out. You know, you support me, you support this guy. It's great. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing your thing. Um, and I, we, we can't stress enough. If you're digging what we're doing, shoot us a follow, like it, subscribe it, leave five-star reviews. Like, it really, really helps us in the long run, and it really helps us achieve our goals here. Um, before we wrap up, though, I asked Kyle if there was one thing that he wanted me to say since he couldn't be here today. We're doing our, our weekly dick check-in. Oh, shit. If you don't want to answer how your dick's doing, you're not on the testosterone pills, that's fine. But Kyle is in Texas, and he said, you know, everything's bigger in Texas, but his dick is the same. 
Right. So no growth whatsoever. Damn. My dick um, still consistent. Velocity is still up there. <laughs> right. Mine's mine's terrible. Mine is uh, it's like a Benghazi dick. It's been ruined. It's been through the fucking ringer. Yeah, I I blew it off last week. Actually, we were uh, celebrating Fourth of July early, and we were doing the old uh, the old you know Roman candle on the dick trick and uh never works out well it's gone now so unfortunately hey it's it is what it is so there's your weekly dick (laughs) check-in thank you very much thanks for coming by